first Sunday we had church. Yes, you never know. October 1st, 2006, we had an overhead projector on the stage, and somebody up there just putting overheads on, and about 75 people in the seats. So um, sometimes it's good to just reflect on what God's done, how far he's brought us. So, um, so we're starting a new six-week series today, and as I was praying about uh, what this topic was going to be, I thought to myself, what would be a topic that I would be the least qualified to speak on? And then I thought, you know, God being our comforter. That would probably be what I would feel least qualified to speak on. So we're going to be doing a six-week series on the God of all comfort. Um, And let me explain myself um, to you a little bit. I'm not a person that receives comfort very well. I'm cool with God being my deliverer, my redeemer, my rock, my fortress, uh, but God is comforter, not so much. Um, I remember going to college and pretty immediately got immersed into this Christian community on campus at Missouri State, and I remember early in my freshman year, <clears throat> it's like a Friday or Saturday night, we were all hanging out at this, these people's house and <clears throat> playing games or doing something. Like, I remember this night. I'm leaving, getting up to leave the meeting, and uh, one of the girls that lived at the house we were meeting at, I think she was a senior, comes over and gives me a hug and says, thanks for coming. And I remember vividly standing there just like this while she was hugging me. <laughs> like, you know, I felt like the anchorman guy, I don't know what to do with my hands, you know. Like, it was just awkward for me at that stage of my life. I was not a hugger um, at all. But I remember thinking to myself, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Like, why do I just like freeze up and just get rigid when somebody displays affection? So um, all my life, I've never been a person to receive comfort very well. If I got hurt uh, physically or emotionally as a kid, um, I didn't really want people to come and dote over me or hover around me. I'd be like, hey, I'm fine. You know, just give me some space. Um, So I just kind of brushed people off. So you can imagine with that background, that I'm also not somebody that that shows comfort to others very well. So when my kids are looking for sympathy, they're not running to dad, that's for sure. And to be honest with you guys, um, right now in my life, uh, 2019, I'm kind of on a journey a little bit with with the Holy Spirit and uh, some friends of mine who are, I'm really trying to kind of figure that out, figure out what some of the roadblocks um, for me just emotionally are. Connecting with my own emotions, being able to explain those things, being able to receive comfort from others, being able to extend comfort to others. So um, it's a little bit of a journey for me. So um, I'm one of the biggest learners along the way during this time. And while I know that there might be several people who hear what I'm saying this morning and maybe kind of connect with maybe a similar story or a similar way that you kind of operate, um, and we've obviously got a lot to learn I would really challenge some of you that maybe are, are more connected to your, to your soft side, able to comfort and be comforted by others, that I think we're going to learn some things about what this phrase means, um, that God is the God of our comfort, that might be a little bit different than what you think it is. Um, and so I just want to ask all of us to kind of come with an open mind to this topic and ready to learn as we dive in. So... Our main text is going to be chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. You can go ahead and open your Bibles there if you want to. It's page 1052. 
in your pew Bibles. <clears throat> and before we begin, I want us to, to have a little background on the letter that Paul's writing here. What's going on? What are the circumstances? So Paul, as many of you know, traveled around the Roman Empire, and he was the first person to really take this message of Jesus to the Gentiles, to non-Jewish communities. And so he was arriving in parts of the Roman Empire. This letter was written to a city called Corinth, which was in Greece, modern-day Greece. And he was bringing the message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection um, for the first time to a group of people. Um, and a lot of these folks in that region of the world um, were, were pagan worshipers. They worshiped multiple gods. Um, Corinth, in particular, was kind of the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire. It was kind of sin city. I mean, decadence, you know, self-absorption um, was, was huge. So, and people, their economies were based on the fact that people were coming there to have a good time. So all of a sudden you bring in this message of Jesus and a different culture, a different lifestyle, and you can imagine how difficult it was for them to make that shift in, in living a new way, especially at a time where they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in written form. And so they couldn't just pick up their Bibles in the morning and remind themselves of the things Jesus said. The only thing they had were um, you know, the oral traditions or whatever somebody wrote down by hand about his teaching. So it was really hard to stay on track at times. And so Paul, knowing that, in those early days would write letters to these churches and send them with different, you know, some of his different uh, guys, mission, fellow missionaries with him. And he would send these letters encouraging them and teaching them and, and training them um, in the way. So over time, <clears throat> probably because Paul had some kind of harsh things to say to the Corinthians. If you read those books, um, a group of leaders um, in that city began kind of rising up against Paul and kind of began discrediting his ministry and his character and kind of attacking him. And it was extremely heartbreaking for Paul because he had poured his life uh, into reaching these folks. And, and now people were kind of turning their back on him and he was getting repaid that way. So it stung him pretty deeply. And in the midst of that suffering, he pins this letter and to def kind of defend himself against these attacks. And he begins kind of in an interesting way. He begins by focusing on God's nature towards him in this moment, right in the midst of his frustration, right in the midst of his rejection. So I want to look at verse 3 in chapter 1. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So did you see how Paul began? <clears throat> Knowing all that was going on about his background and kind of the climate and the attacks that he was under, his first words were, Praise be. Paul worships God. Before anything had changed... Before he'd gotten his point across, before people had said, oh, I'm sorry, and apologized to him, right in the middle of the mess. So his heart was not a heart of indifference, but, but one of felt and expressed emotion that, that superseded the earthly circumstances he was under. Praise that was true, regardless of how life was working out for Paul, regardless of whether people liked him or not, regardless of whether life was going the way he wanted it to. And we probably need to start more of our prayers with those two words. Praise be. 
I want to read verse 3 again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Paul says that God is the Father of compassion. What evidence do we have that that is true, that God is the Father of compassion? Just shoot some answers at me here. What evidence do we have of that? What's that? Yes. What was that? Jesus wept, and so he entered into our pain, right? There's examples of that. Yeah. Okay, a lot of the miracles that he performed were healing the sick or raising the dead, okay? Having compassion on people that were hurting, okay? What else? Yeah, Sam? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he came to the earth and died for us. Pretty big sign of compassion, right? And then on the cross, Sam was saying there's a, a criminal on, his, on one side of him who repented, and he said, hey, today with you, you'll be with me in paradise. And so I think of a couple things, right? Um, we know that he's a father of compassion because he gave us what we didn't deserve, grace, and he didn't give us what we did deserve, which was death, and that's mercy, Okay. And I love this reminder in Romans 8.32. It says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Okay, so the depth of God's compassion is on display there. He did not spare his own son, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then it says he'll graciously give us all things. He'll continue to kind of pour out on us everything that we need to live the life that he's called us to. So Paul identifies God as the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And man, there's a lot there and a lot of things I want to discuss about those those titles um, today. And first, I think it's important for us to define what comes to mind when we hear the word comfort. So when you hear that word, what, what images or ideas come to mind for you? Comfort. Here we go. This doesn't have to be that difficult. Yes. Laying in a big comfy bed with pillows being comfortable. Yes. Leisure. Right. Leisure. Yes, Renee. No pain. Being in the mountains, mountains, okay. The comfort of being in a a setting that's beautiful and the place where you love to be. Yes, any other comfort thoughts? Yes, back there, Wyatt. Okay, yeah, everybody's got what they need, right? Waking up on Saturday morning and everything's going well around your house. Yeah. Okay, peace of mind, serenity. Okay, great. Good job, folks. Okay. Yeah, what do they call the top layer of covers on a bed? The comforter, right? And so, y'all, actually, this exercise we did is part of the problem. Because in our American culture, those are the things that pop into our mind, okay? Okay. 
Now, we're going to find out what these words really mean <laughs> in terms of the biblical sense, okay? So the words all comfort in this passage come from an ancient Greek word, paraklesis. The idea behind this word for comfort in the New Testament is always more than the soothing, a soothing form of sympathy. It has the idea of strengthening, of helping, of making strong. The idea behind this word is also communicated by the Latin word for comfort, which is fortis, which means brave. So when Paul says that God is the God of all comfort, he means that he's trying to make us strong or brave in the midst of our trouble. Does that make sense? Let's look at the first part of verse 4. It says this, who comforts us in all our troubles. In all our troubles. Okay? So it's not like he wants to like, you know, come into a problem time in our life with a big bowl of soup, right, and a blanket and put you down on the couch and kind of stroke your head and then wave a wand for a magic wand for all of your troubles to go away. Okay, that's not the image here, even though how nice that might sound to some of you. So one of the first hurdles that we might face in thinking of God as our comforter is that we have to imagine the, the same thing that God is imagining. When he says, I'm the God of all comfort, he's meaning something that's probably very different than what most of us are thinking when he offers himself to us in our troubles. Okay. Secondly, Paul says that he's the God of all comfort, which means that God has cornered the market on comfort. Whatever cheap substitute the world has to offer us pales in comparison to the comfort that God can provide us. One commentator said it like this. To put it another way, God is the ultimate source of every act of true comfort, and apart from God, there is no true comfort. Now, as Christians, good Christian people, we might look at that phrase, and we might nod our heads and say, yes, yes, I believe that is so true. But if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, when I want comfort, I go to a lot of other places besides God. <laughs> I might look at that and say, oh, yeah, I know God's the only source of my comfort, and then go completely to something that's not God to try to find comfort in the moment. And we turn to all kinds of things to bring comfort and relief from pain. We try to control our surroundings in order to get some comfort. We might try to manipulate people so that they'll do what we want them to do so that we'll feel some relief, some peace. We might stockpile wealth or material things. We seek comfort in relationships. We use sex as a means to comfort. We strive for success at school or work or sports so we can feel valued. We post selfies on Instagram so that people will like us or make a little comment about, oh, you're so pretty, you're so beautiful, so that we can feel good when things aren't going well. I don't do that, but <clears throat> they'd be like, dang, don't post pictures of yourself, dude, <laughs> trying to sleep, right? <laughs> but besides for that one, I've done most of the other ones, and probably more, just to be honest. What about you guys? Where do you try to find comfort in something that isn't God? What substitutes do you run to? 
Anybody vulnerable enough to share? Yeah. Food? Great. Yeah. Success? At work. Okay. Yeah. The pats on the back or the affirmation you might get from that? Yeah. So when things, life isn't going well, I'm just going to knuckle down at work where I know I can get some praise. It's going to make me feel valued. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. We invest in them. We, we, you know, when they're successful, then that comforts us. And we think, okay, man, we've done a good job, right? We're on the right track here. Yeah. If the Chiefs win the day, we'll have comfort. Yes. I try to explain to people what it was like in 95 to be the one seed and to lose to a crappy team. Like, and I was like 20-something. I was wrecked for like three or four days. I mean, I was moody, grumpy. It ruined my life. So I'm better now, okay? <laughs> I think I'll be able to handle it. But yes, that's true. We turn to sports or different things like that, okay? So, and guys, all of us have it. You know it. Those of you that didn't share, you, things came to your mind pretty quick. Remember, Paul is saying this about God, that he's the God of all comfort, when none of his circumstances have really changed. Right? He's still under attack. People are still undermining his authority and his leadership. And I think we really need to wrestle with this truth that the comfort God primarily offers us is not the removal of our troubles. It's the truth that in the midst of our troubles, he is with us. Emmanuel, right? That's what the Christmas story is all about, that God became flesh and entered into our story to say, hey, I'm here with you in the midst of it. Because let's be honest, our lives and the answers to our prayers or the lack of answers to our prayers don't always feel like comfort. Was God still the father of compassion and the God of all comfort when Paul was being beaten and flogged and left for dead outside the city gates? For doing what? For preaching the gospel. For doing exactly what God asked him to do. For being obedient. And that was the treatment that he got. And then he's able to say, oh man, God, you're a father of compassion. You're the God of all comfort. Where do we run in times of trouble? Who or what do we turn to? Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just in case you need a reminder. 2 Corinthians 11, starting in the second half of verse 21, Paul says this, Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again, Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, which means if you got 40 lashes, it was supposed to kill you. So five different times he was given 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. 
I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches." If this guy, who endured all those things for the sake of Christ, is saying, praise be, then who are we to complain, right? So where do we turn? Do we lift our eyes up and say, praise be? I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 121. It's page 564. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2 say this. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where do we turn to and run to for help? Do we lift our eyes up to the only one that can really help us, the maker of heaven and earth? Guys, God desires to comfort us, but his comfort might not always look like we want it to. He doesn't say that our journey will be without problems just because we're Christians. Actually, he says the exact opposite. He says that because you're a Christian and because you live in this broken world, there will be trouble. Bank on it. And some may say, well, that doesn't sound very comforting, right? Well, not if your definition of comfort is a life without struggles, but that's not how he's defining it here. That's not even really realistic. Now, some Christians try to find a false comfort by sheltering themselves from the pain and the hurts of this world. They isolate themselves in safe places and kind of keep messy people and their problems away from them. And so, in some ways, they kind of carefully try to orchestrate this nice little bubble to shield them from people who might be difficult to deal with or problems that are existing in this world. And guys, that is not comfort. That's escapism. You see, we are followers of Jesus, a Savior who charged right into the middle of the mess of this broken and hurting world. Jesus constantly surrounded himself with needy and demanding people. The very people a lot of times we want to kind of ignore or drive past real quickly, right? When we see him standing on the corner at that stoplight where we don't want to get stopped at. And he said that there's a way to experience true comfort in the midst of this troubling world. He says, lift your eyes up. Your father in heaven has made a way for you. His one and only son gave his life for you that he might be with us always. And all comfort that we could experience is found in the truth that our Father and Savior will never leave us nor forsake us. More than God change my circumstances, shouldn't our hearts cry be, praise be. So that's what we're going to reflect on and dive into more deeply here in the next few weeks. We're going to take a look at this deeper theme of how God provides comfort for us 
We're going to look more about his nature. We're going to look at the methods that he uses to provide comfort to us, what our responsibility is to receive that comfort, and what we do with that comfort we experience once we've received it. What does he want us to do with it? So we're going to look at all those things. And guys, you want to talk about a group of people that needed some comfort, Right? Jesus is with his disciples on the last night of his life. He's the only one that knows it's going to be the last night of his life. And he's talking about things that disciples just can't even imagine, that he has to die. And in, in the midst of that, he tells his disciples, hey, listen, I'm going to send you a comforter. And, and he takes them through this ritual, this first communion, where he says, hey, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And the fact that he says, I will not leave you as orphans, right? I'll come to you. I'll be with you in the midst of life and whatever challenges you're going to face. And a lot of those guys went on to have their lives killed for preaching the gospel. They, Jesus knew trouble was coming. And so this experience here is supposed to be a time of comfort, a time of strengthening a time of reminding us to be brave in the midst of whatever context we might be going through in life whatever struggles whatever challenges whatever context might be going on in your life right now that are difficult where you feel fear apprehension jesus says take comfort be brave be strong from my presence in your life so let's think about those things as we come to the table this morning heavenly father we thank you Um, God, that you are a father of compassion and a God of all comfort, Lord, but we need to understand what that means. Not the kind of cushy, soft, um, warm, fuzzy thing that we think about when we think about comfort, which is really kind of all about us feeling good, but Lord, that you want to come along in the midst of our mess, and before you deal or don't deal with our circumstances or change what's going on in our life, you say, hey, I'm with you. Regardless of how this turns out, it doesn't have to turn out the way you want it to. For you not to still feel the comfort of knowing me, of being in relationship with me, feeling my presence in the midst of your pain right now. So God, help us to cling to that truth. Help us to let go of the things that are really just kind of life as we want it, and maybe not life as it's meant to be. God, just um, reshape our minds and our hearts to help really hear your heart in the midst of this. We just give you this time of silence right now. We come before you with just our, our worries, our concerns. Um, Lord, pray that you would meet us.